This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. be in Psalm 16 this morning as we continue to look at how to delight in God's Word through biblical counsel for our lives. Our lives as we grow uh, towards God, how can we grow spiritually, emotionally, physically in all these ways? Um, God's Word counsels us. There's biblical counsel in His Word. And so we're going to look at Psalm 16 this morning, uh, dabble a little bit in Psalm 33 and Psalm 40, uh, and bring that truth into what God has for you in your life this morning. Hopefully, you'll be able to walk away knowing this. When there's something in front of you, when you're questioning, like, what should I do? Should I, should I go this way or should I go that way? Do I, should I make this decision or that? decision. When you're there, I hope to better reinforce uh, your heart and your decisions, to be able to make better decisions, to be able to process better, to be able to prepare yourselves better, to be understand how God works within those decisions, that you might not have anxiety at night, that you might not question, uh, that you might not doubt God, but rather that you'd have some security in what God wants for you in your life, some safety in what God wants for you in your life. So my main point this morning is this, that God, uh, to give God control, Uh, follow his revealed plan and to seek his answers. Give God control, follow his revealed plan and seek his answers. So let's look at Psalm 16 together. We're going to walk through it um, to try to better understand it and how it applies to our lives. It says, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrow, uh, the sorrows of those who take on another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me, because He is at my right hand, and I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely, for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me, and your presence is abundant joy at your right hand are eternal pleasures. All right, I want you to see four things that uh, I think David's trying to communicate to us through this passage, and God really wants for us this morning. The first is, uh, God is all that we have, and it is good. Uh, you can see this in verses 1 and 2. Look at it. It says, Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. He is your protector. And then second, He's your provision. Look at verse 2. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. Everything good that I have is in you, and you are my goodness. Uh, what do we do as humans typically here? We want the goodness without the one who is good. You know what I'm saying? We want things that are good without recognizing the one who is good who has given us those things. So we take delight in things that are good without giving glory to the one who gave them to us in the first place. Uh, so uh, look, at, look at how uh, David works this out. Verse 3, As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. Now it's not until he recognized that God is his provider and his protector that he can move on to where he finds his delight. Because he's finding his delight in what his father has given to him. Because there are good things that God has given him for him to enjoy and to delight in. Rather than delighting in the things that are wicked in this world, he's found delight in the good things that his protector and provider has given him. 
Verse 4, the sorrows of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. The wickedness multiplies while the goodness is feasted on his delight. Like the good things that God has created for you in this world, you should enjoy, right? It's like this. How many of you were in your, uh, let's, uh, how about this, how, how many of you were in your house 20 years ago? House you live in? Yeah, okay, that's awesome. Uh, how many were in there 10 years ago? Okay, yeah. So how many of you walked into your house for the first time with your children with you? Okay, good. Man, how long were you there? How long have you been in your house? Yeah? Okay, 40-something years. That's amazing. Yeah, 40-something years. It's amazing. See, you think about this. Okay, take yourself back to that moment you first stepped into your house, and it was blank, like tabula rosa, nothing in there, and you had the opportunity to put couch, uh, uh, tables, your uh, desk where you wanted it to be, um, your TV. You know, you're like, with your TV, what do you do? You like put it over here, and you're like, ah, sun kind of beams in on it. I'm going to put it over here, and you're like, I don't like where the couch is in, though, so we move it over here. And you like move everything around. You get it like how you situated, you want it, you know. And, and with that many years at your own house, like uh, how many of you have like, put it in a playground, right? You put in a playground for your kids to play out back, right? Some of you might have built a treehouse. Uh, others of you have a playroom where you're for, your, for your kids to hang out in. Yeah? And uh, even some of you have, uh, any, anybody out there build a pool for your kids? I'm watching. I'll be over at your house later. Okay, cool. I got noted down. Anybody get a boat for their kids? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, if anybody wants to go fishing, you just let me know. Um, no, uh, so look, you get great things that you love and that you want for your kids, right? You want them to enjoy it. And five, ten years later, you're like, man, that house, that tree house I built, it's just been used so much. It's like, it's like been so heavily used that I don't even know if we can even get it anymore, right? Like, uh, maybe even you, you had a playroom that's just been destroyed. All the toys are just demolished, right? Toast. And you're like, here's what you know. Your kids have delighted in what you created for them. Look, y'all, your God created you this world. This world is in all its majesty with the mountains and the valleys and the, and the rivers and the oceans and the food that we've been given. All of these things were given to us to delight in, to enjoy, while we recognize that He is our provider and our protector, yet He's given us so much. And so we turn back the worship to Him. He starts with verse 1 and 2, y'all. He doesn't start with verse 3. He doesn't go, I take delight in everything that I've been given in this beautiful nation that I have. Because this is David, 12 tribes brought back together one nation. He's going to say later, all the boundaries have been created for Him. And he's like, man, this thing's huge. This is awesome. He's got a palace. He's got everything He wants. He's got all these different things that He's taken delight in. But He starts with, my God is my protector and provider. And so it begins there. Look, looking forward to what God has for you begins with understanding what God has already given you. We are not prophets by nature continually throughout the rest of our lives. We're children of God. You see, some of you in here uh, might be like me at times in my life where I want to be a prophet, but I need to be a child. I just need to be a child of God rather than trying to figure out what's going to happen next. You see, I want to be like a prophet, like, hey, five, ten years, what's going to happen, God? 
I, I need you to reveal to me the plan, the plan you have for me. I need you to show me. How, you, do you, sometimes when we think this, I kind of feel a little bit like we're, we get a little bit arrogant as humans. It's like, God, you're supposed to show me your plan for me. Like, you need to tell me what, what I'm, I need to do. You're like, oh, oh. <laughs> The God of the universe who knows all things and has all things planned out will reveal to you what you need to know, when you need to know it, and it's our responsibility as children to follow after him. You remember that time as a child where, like, your parents were like, don't touch that, and you're like, why? And, and in that moment, like, they don't have time to explain to you what could happen. Maybe it's an electrical current could run through your body, right? You don't want to get shocked, okay? They don't have time to process through what it looks like if you shove a knife into a, a socket, okay? They don't, they don't have that time, but they just need to tell you, don't do that! And you're like, why not? You know? And that's not a good thing to do, but don't we want to do that as humans with God sometimes, too? It's like, tell me why, God. Tell me when, God. Tell me how, God. you you got to tell me. All these things. Instead of just listening to him and being obedient with what he's already told us. Hey, don't stick that knife into that socket. Uh, yes, Father. I believe you. I trust you. Right? You've given me your goodness and your will and your plans for me in your word. And I'm going to follow after this truth that has been given to me. This doesn't mean God doesn't reveal his specific plan for you in your life. But as we're going to see this morning, what I'm going to challenge you to do is first take hold of what God has already given you before you try to go grab something else, like a child. You know what children do, right? They're greedy. They're like, I got this. I want more. And don't we find ourselves like this as humans? Like, God has given you 66 books to read through to find out what His will is for you and to delight in those, the goodness of what God's Word is for you, to delight in these things so that you know how to follow after Him. But don't we want so much more? Like, I want more, and I want more, and I need more, and all these different things. Look at verse 5. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. See, God, God holds, he recognizes, God holds his future. Here's when people, people get content with God holding their future when they understand that he's their protector and provider. Because when you look at tomorrow and the next week and the next month and the next year and you start asking yourself, what's in front of me? You can trust God and give over control when you believe that he's your provider and your protector. But when you believe that you are the provider and protector and that the goodness of verse 3 and the wickedness of verse 4 are up to you, that you control everything that happens in your life and that if you're going to experience goodness, it's because you've been good and if you're going to experience wickedness, it's because you've been wicked and it's because you've worked hard that you get good things uh, and you work harder and you get more good things. If you believe those things about your life, then you have not released your future to the Lord. This is a hard moment, y'all, for Christians. It's really a difficult process right here to think through. And so I want to sit here for a second because you see what David has. Uh, verse um, 6, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Things look wonderful David, for David. He's got the, the boundaries of his nation where he wants them. Again, 12 tribes put together. He's content with this, right? But what happens in your life when God calls you to something that's a little bit more difficult? You know what I'm saying? What happens when God calls you to something that you're like, I don't want to do that. That's not the beautiful inheritance that I thought I was going to have. Like, I don't know if I can delight in that. That's different than what I thought your plan was for me. Are you sure you want that for me, God? Like, you start questioning God. You start doubting God. Maybe even you get angry with God. 
but it says, you hold my future, God. You hold my future, not me holding the future. So here's what it might look like. You're like, I'm good with what I have right now. I'm content with what I have. The goodness of God is being shown in my life, and I'm, I'm great. So I'm just going to be obedient to what God gives me. And then all of a sudden, God gives you something else. And we go one of two directions, right? We either get anxious because we don't know what God wants for us, or we get anxious because we find out what God wants for us. And, and, and there just needs to be some sort of for, some contentment in our lives to go, whatever God wants for us, I'm going to do. And if he doesn't give me what he wants for me, I'm going to be content even there. Because when God holds your future, it's like, okay, God, you do whatever you want for me. And then all of a sudden he tells you what he wants for your life. And you go, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not taking my family there. My family can't be in that. You start to question God and His will for your life because of the circumstances around it. And so God gives you His will, gives you His plan. You're like, I'm not going to do that. So God's plan can create anxiety in your heart and uh, the lack of knowing God's plan can create anxiety in your heart. So look what happens to David. Verse 7. I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me because He is my right hand. I will not be shaken. So you see that God counsels him, but yet at night He's troubled. How many of us at night have, have, have had stress? How many of us at night have had anxiety for what might happen tomorrow? Or the next day, again, next month? Or what might happen to your job, or to your family, or to health? And all these different things that really crash in on your life. And at night, you feel like you can't sleep. All of a sudden, you're, you're staying awake through the night, which makes it even worse the next day because you're tired and miserable. And then the next night, you stay up, and you're depressed, and you're anxious, and you're worried. And all these things start crashing down on you. And you're like, what do I do? And you go back to verses 1 and 2. He's your provider and your protector. He's in control of your life. He holds your future. And you've got to be able to go, these are my hands that are so gripped around everything that I have and all the goodness that I've worked for. Everything has been so tight-gripped that everything is under my control. And look, y'all, if you grip something that for, for long enough, this tight, you're going to hurt your muscles, you're going to hurt your body, you're going to stress your muscles, you're going to stress your mind, you're going to stress out everything as you start to tense up. And it's all under your control. And you hold it so tight. And then all of a sudden it goes, God holds your future release it and when you release it you go he's my provider he's my protector he holds my future he's all goodness he's all wisdom he's all grace and mercy everything can be poured out upon me and it's not about me worrying about tomorrow it's about him holding it and so he's our counselor and he's our guide you know, uh, I'm, we, we have a biblical counseling uh, group here um, led by Pastor Bill, who's a biblical counselor. And we want you to get connected with biblical counseling. Uh, but he and I would both agree on this, is that you have a counselor at all times with you. And I would encourage you not to seek out counsel without also seeking counsel from your father. Your father is your counselor. He is your guide. He is here for you. He wants to give you good truth from God's word, from his word that he's already given you. He wants to give you truth for you to live in your life. He is your counselor. You know, so, uh, sorry, Isaiah 40 through 40, like 6, are kind of like a um, uh, retelling this psalm. And, and Psalm 110 and, and uh, Psalm 100, uh, it's kind of taking those psalms and telling it even more in depth and how it applied to the nation. And in that, he says that uh, our Father, and, and ultimately we know as Jesus Christ, uh, is the wonderful counselor. And, and knowing that he's our wonderful counselor, then what does Jesus then say? 
when he's here. Like, Isaiah says your wonderful counselors come, and Jesus comes, and he's our wonderful counselor. And then all of a sudden, what does Jesus say? I'm going to leave with you something, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to live in you. And that Holy Spirit is your counselor. And now we're walking through life and we're like, I don't know what to do. And you're like, hey, man, the Spirit's in you. The counsel is in you. The guidance is in you. He's walking with you. But then the question stirs up. It's like, but I don't know what to do next. So look with me at verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy at your right hand are eternal pleasures because David knows that with the presence of God in you, there's a joy. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He knows that with God at his right hand, there's eternal joy because we know that eternity with God is joy. And we know that we have a path in this life towards that eternal joy. Now that path in this life towards that eternal joy is not about should you put on red shoes or blue shoes or should you put your hair up or leave it down or should you wear a dress or should you wear athletic clothes? That's not what the Holy Spirit is in you to communicate. God didn't give you the Holy Spirit so you could decide between a Corvette and a Mustang. It's so that you can be faithful to your finances, to steward them well, so that you can do what God's called you to do with your, with your family and with your friends and with your church. And so now be faithful. Be faithful with all that God has given you because His Spirit is in you to counsel you and guide you throughout your life. So be faithful. And so... You look, at, you look at what David does. It says, you reveal the path of life to me. So God is revealing life to you. What is life? Jesus says, tells us what life is. I am the resurrection and the life. And so now we're starting to find life in Jesus. And we start to realize that this life isn't about what we have, but who we have. This isn't, life isn't about what we've gained and attained in our life. Instead, it's about where we're headed because there's an eternal life that is coming. And you start to see life differently about it's not about me and it's about others and it's not about what I want, it's about what God wants. And you start to look externally instead of internally. And now you're starting to match up with God's will. And what does God's word say about God's will? So if you ask these things in my name, they're going to be given to you. If you ask these things in God's will, they're going to be poured out into you. And now you take a step back and you go, okay, how many, in, how many people in, in here have been asking for God to reveal their will to him when he, they haven't been faithful to what he's already revealed to them? You, you're asking for God to reveal something new to you when you haven't been faithful with what God has already revealed to you, which has been for time. It's been here for a long time. Over probably 3,000 years at least, we've had God's written word. 2,400 no, 3,000. trying to do a calculation in my head. <laughs> Somewhere around there. And we've had God's Word for you in your life. From the time that you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you've been able to engage in God's Word. 66 books have been given to you, like I said. Have you engaged them to the point where you know them, you know His commands, you know what He's called you to do, and you're obedient to them? Because what does James 1-2 say? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith, what? Develops perseverance. And perseverance develops what? Maturity and completeness, lacking no good thing. So in your life, I challenge you, in the difficult times where you're like, I I need to know, should I go right or left? I need to know what decision I should make, Pastor Matt. 
What I would tell you back is, more than understanding what you need to do in the future, understand what you need to do right now and be faithful to that. Because God pours out His wisdom, James 1 tells us. God pours out uh, uh, His goodness. Uh, like a father who wants good things for his children. How much more do you think your heavenly father wants for you? So if God's word's telling us that he's pouring out goodness into your life, pouring out wisdom into your life, and that he will answer you if you ask in his will, then what is your priority right now in this moment? Is it to know what's going to happen in the future? Or is it to be faithful to God's will right now? Because you know that if you're faithful with God's will, He will reveal to you His future for you. And, you know, but we're not like children, we're like prophets. We want to know what's going to happen in the future rather than be faithful with what's right now. So what do we do as, as uh, prophets? We start to worry about the future. Because we try to cling on to the future. We try to change the future. We want to know it so that we can mold it. And it's like, if you would just release the future and take hold of the current, God would give you wisdom and maturity and goodness and answer your cries and provide you with what you need. If you'd just be faithful right now. And so, brothers and sisters, many people ask me, what, what should I do to be able to find God's will? Do God's will. It's, it, I feel bad almost. I, I told this to the 930 group. I feel bad almost because I'm like, you know, some people I think just want to hop on YouTube and like search out how to find God's will. And like, it, there's no secret sauce to this, y'all. There ain't no, there ain't no like process that you can go, okay, boom, 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 boom. If I do that, God's going God's gonna to tell me. <laughs> like, I know he's going to answer if I do this, this, this. No. Instead, do God's will and he will reveal his will to you continually. Because we, we, we forget that God, God, is, God, is a, God is a faithful God and He doesn't change. So what He told Jonah is what He's going to tell you. What He told Joseph is what He might tell you. Our question is, are we willing to go to Nineveh? Our question is, are we willing to go to jail for something we didn't do as Joseph did in the plans of God that he might be raised back up and save a nation? God's nation. When God is specifically chosen, so he chooses a man to go into jail to raise up. Like, y'all, God is revealing his will out to you as you're being faithful to his will. And there's this beautiful process that happens, but we want to skip forward to the end, right? And so I want to give you a couple things that I think through when I process through this based on Psalm 16. And it's uh, first, and, and you've heard me say it pretty similar to this already today, but um, seeking God's will builds faith for tomorrow while fearing tomorrow creates anxiety. Because I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm not supposed to worry about tomorrow, but I'm supposed to pray about tomorrow. How does that work? You know, I'm like, I need to not think about tomorrow, God. That's, that's actually what I need to be doing right now. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> you know, so then am I not supposed to worry about it? Am I supposed to pray about it? Because I don't know if it's a, it's a process, though, because you can go, you can, you can try to take hold of tomorrow or you can release tomorrow. And the process of releasing tomorrow is praying that God will control it. Giving it over to God by saying, I know you've got it. Uh, and it's the praise and the prayer that you do in the morning as you meditate on God's Word day and night. It's that 
process that you're going, okay, you have this, God, because I don't. Because I know many of you today are like, man, I've read Matthew 6, and I've read 1 Peter 5, 7, and I know I'm supposed to cast all my anxiety on Him. And I know I'm supposed to trust Him with tomorrow, and that He can provide the, for the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And I know He can do all those things. But I'm still struggling at night, just like David. And I know you're wrestling with depression and anxiety and fear and anger and all these different things that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I, I encourage you, sometimes we want to run ahead to be a prophet when in reality we just need to go back to the basics. What does your, what does your prayer life look like? What does your meditation life look like? What does your praise look like? What does your thankfulness look like? What does your serving look like? What do all those things look like in your life to the point where you can look at all those things and go, okay, like, I am in God's will. I'm doing what His words called me to do. When you click in that moment, the maturity comes out, and then all of a sudden you go, I'm not kidding, I think this is what happened in my life when uh, we were called to Westminster uh, um, five years ago into this foreign land of yours. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, I was down in Georgia for the past three days, man, and it was so good. And I'm like, but you have to remind yourself of this, right? Because I hope when you hear me say that, you don't hear me say, I want to go back. I hope you hear this because you're going to be in a time like this where you're going to go, there's got to be maturity in your life where you say, if God doesn't tell me where I need to go, that's good for me. And if God tells me where I need to go, that's good for me. That's when you've released control. If you're, if you're still at the point where you're like, God has to tell me every single thing I'm supposed to do, I know He's going to do it. He will absolutely do it. You might not have hit that maturity where you've released, you've truly released control and said, I trust you when you tell me and I trust you when you don't. Right? Your kids, oh, Siri's doing it again. <laughs> Sorry. She keeps talking to me. I don't know why she keeps talking to me. Anyways, um, yeah, you hit that maturity in your life. You know what I'm talking about when you're able to release control because you know that, like your kids, right, they're at the edge of the, of the water and the water's in front of them and they're about to trip in and you go, stop! And they don't know why you told them to stop, but they do. And you didn't have to explain to them why that you saw a gator over there. You don't have to explain to them. They just did it. And you know what? Sometimes in your life, you're walking along in your life and you're following after God's will and we want God to tell us where the gator is. When in reality, we just need to stop. I, 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 this kicked in for me in my life because, you know, here's, here's three tips for finding, for finding God's will, right? Like YouTube, you know, uh, process. I, but I was thinking in my mind, okay, I want to give you some practical things though, right? I want you to be obedient to God's word. I want you to do everything that God's will has already given you. But I want to help you in the, that obedience in sifting through what God's word for you is. So this isn't outside of it. This is part of it. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Minimize the world's voices. Minimize worldly voices. You know, it's like when you wake up in the morning, if you woke up and you said, uh, uh, God, I need you to tell me um, what I need to do at, this, at work because I'm dealing with this difficult situation. I need you to tell me what I need to do. And then all of a sudden, right after that, you're like, boom. And you walk around, and you're just not listening to anything God has for you in the rest of the day. And it's like this process of like a child that walks up and you're like, Mom, Dad, what do I need to do over here? And you're like, and then they just run off. <laughs> 
And you're like, well, I was going to tell you. I feel like uh, being a student pastor for many years, I feel like that might be what teenagers do, uh, though I'm not there yet. Uh, so you might be able to tell me, but that's kind of what teenagers do. They bump up in there thinking they know everything about everything. And uh, they think they got it all under control, right? And you're like, dude, if I could just tell you. You know? If you could just minimize the worldly voices around you, the marketing, the phones, and all of those things, how much of a slap in God's face is it if you're like, God, I need you, I desperately need you to help me with this, with this decision. And then for the rest of the day, you just mute him. It's like slapping him in the face. Like, I want you, but I really, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to you. You better just like write it down on paper or something, like make it easy. No, guys. It's not how this works. And so the second thing is to maximize God's voice. Maximize biblical consumption, right? You're getting God's Word maximized in your life. In those seasons where you're like, I'm desperate for God's will. I, Matt, I need to know what God wants for me. Okay, saturate your hearts with God's Word. Because I believe that God is still using His Word to communicate His will for you today. Through stories, through proverbs, through experiences Jesus had and Paul had, through narratives and, and wisdom literature, whatever it may be, I believe that God is continually today still working in your life and teaching you truth. All right? So here's what, here's what you do. Minimize the world. Maximize God's voice. All right, so I was, uh, I'll tell you all fishing stories, but... Um, I'm kind of afraid to continue to do this because nobody's going to go fishing with me anymore. But I'm, this time we had uh, life jackets. They were not on, but we had them. So this is a step up, even though it was further back. But anyways, about, I don't know, six, seven years ago, probably, probably seven years ago, I had the pastor, we had the pastors from Texas to Georgia, and we went out on my dad's boat. It was a uh, cabin cruiser, so they're huge. Rachel's been on it. You can go down in it. You can actually sleep inside of it. It's that big, right? kitchen, all that stuff. Really cool cabin cruiser, uh, but massive. And so we had all the pastors out on it, and we did a sunset cruise, which is just really cool. So you drive down to Pelican Pete's. It's a, a southern uh, restaurant. It's on the water. Like, literally, it's on a dock on the water. It's so cool. Uh, beautiful. And so we pulled up to Pelican Pete's. We eat. And when we're heading back, um, the sun had already set, so it was getting dark. By the time we're about 20 minutes out, it was dark. And not only was it dark, but a storm hit. We thought the storm was going to miss us, but this was a good southern storm. If you've never lived in the south, southern storms are just different, right? Like hell the size of like softballs and watermelon, like insane. We just got hit by one like three weeks ago. Rachel and I were in a hell storm. It's massive, crazy. Anyways, so we're in this huge thunderstorm, lightning, thunder, rain, wind, all the stuff on a cabin cruise. My dad's got it punched down to the max. We're going full speed trying to get back to the dock, get off the water. Like that's the game plan. Get off the water. Now, if you've ever driven in the middle of the night, like Carson has uh, with me, we were going 57-ish miles an hour around a lake, and you can't see anything, y'all. It's pitch black, and it is so much fun, (laughs) but it is so dangerous. (laughs) So dangerous. Um, But anyways, you know, you fly around these lakes in the middle of the night. It's just, it's an amazing experience. But what I do, (laughs) and I do not recommend this, uh, I don't think this would be like Coast Guard approved, but it's helpful, is I navigate myself with Google Maps. 
Yeah. It's not, everybody's like, what is this idiot doing? So, no, but, but instead of watching in front of the windshield, you just watch Google Maps. And you, and you just travel around the lake. And as long as you don't get near the edge, you're good. You're just like, okay, full speed, baby, just going. And uh, I'm not kidding, Carson's seen me do it. And uh, so, full speed, and, and my dad just got it down to the max. And rain everywhere, wind everywhere, dark. And about a quarter mile out, I think this is the exact island right here. I was trying to figure it out, but I'm pretty sure that's it. We were like a, probably a quarter mile out, so over here. I looked up, and I'm, I'm looking on this Google Maps, and I'm like... That's a little island there. And so I said to my dad, Dad, there's an island ahead of us. And my dad's been dry boating this lake for a long time. Uh, He's confident in what he's doing. And with his dad voice, he said, No, there's not, son. So I was like, about 200 yards out, I was like, Dad, there's an island in front of us. And he's like, Son, there's not an island in front of us. We're good. I've traveled this lake. You know, you got that dad voice. And you're like, okay. And now we're 50, 50 yards out. And I'm like, Dad, there's, a, there's, a, there's an island in front of us. And he's like, no, there's not. And then all of a sudden, I'm not kidding, maybe 20, 10 yards out, all of a sudden, it's just trees up to the top. And you're just full speed into this. And he goes, whoa, in this big crabbing cruiser. And if you've ever been in a cabin cruiser, what happens when you yank it is everybody else just goes, whoa, boom, and hits the side. And so just pastor, uh, pastors are just bam, 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 bam. And the first thing you think is like, did anybody fall off? Of course, right? And uh, so you're looking for everybody, but nobody had life jackets on, so we're you know, kind of scared and everything. And this is a typical dad move. What did my dad do? He just looks over me and he goes, hey, son, do you know there's an island there? <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> but y'all, aren't we so much like that as humans? Like we're traveling full speed in life. You're just going about your way. You're like, it's all good in the middle of a storm and everything around you is chaotic. You're like, I've got it under control as long as I just keep going forward. And you know, you've got God. He's like, it's like God knows there's, a, there's an island in front of you. But you want to know that the island's there. You need to know that island's there before you do anything. And so what do we pray about? God, show me the island's. Show me what you want me to do. Show me what's going to happen. Show me the difficulties I'm going to experience. Show me all these different things, and then I'll listen to you. And so we want to be prophets, not children, because children would just simply listen to their God. We are children, sons and daughters of a God who's given us His will, and we simply need to be faithful and follow after what He has. And if He doesn't tell us an island there, but He tells us to take a right, we ought to go right. You know what I'm saying? And so I hope that today, this morning, what you really have from me is not a five-step process or a ten-step process to how to find God's will that you can just list off and figure out the best way to find out God's will, but rather you'll hear from me this morning. Delight in God's will for your life. Delight in obedience that He has for you. Simply delight in what God has already given you, and He will continue to unfold His wisdom, His path for you, His plan for you, and all those things will become completely visible in your life. But if you're trying to gain, grab more of God's will without being faithful with what He's already given you, you're, He's not going to release those things to you. And so, you know, uh, Psalm 40, verse 8 is just it's so good, man. I hope you'll just pour it over your heart. It says, I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. Y'all, y'all meditate on that. 
Because it, it really is like, this is the process, I think, biblically, the verse of understanding how God's will works. Your instruction is deep within me. I delight to do your will. If you're walking around today and you haven't feasted on God's word, meditated on God's word where it's been planted inside of your heart, hidden in your heart that you might not sin against him, those kind of things. Plant God's word in your heart. How are we going to delight in what he's given us to do? How are we going to delight in his will when we don't even know it? So I challenge you to start just delighting in God's will. Delighting in what he has for you. Men, you don't have to ask if God wants you to be faithful to your wife. Wives, you likewise. You don't have to ask if God has called you to be patient with your children or to do your job fervently this week or to care well for your finances or to purify your eyes. You don't have to ask God if you ought to do that. To eat healthy, it's not a question. Your responsibility this week is simply to be faithful to what He's already given you. And if he pulls a Jonah and tells you to go to Nineveh, hopefully you'll be so prepared in your obedience that you don't question. You just go to Nineveh. All right? So I'm going to call the band forward. And, uh, man, I hope this will relieve some anxiety and some fear in your life. Um, There's so much freedom in just knowing to be faithful today and that God holds tomorrow. There's so much freedom there, y'all. And so I hope you just simply be faithful today. And as the band, uh, the band comes, remember the, the, these gospel responses. What Jesus did. He who is faithful came into this world, lived a faithful life, died for us so that we might not die, raised for us so that we might raise from the dead. And when you think about that, like he literally did what we ought to do. He modeled it for us. And yet he emptied it. Philippians chapter 2 tells us he emptied himself of that, uh, of that uh, uh, advantage over us humans. He emptied himself of that so that he might endure sickness. He might endure the evil that is around him. He might endure pain. He might, endure, uh, not, not, he might not know what uh, is the future for him in these situations to the point where he would go... Uh, God, if this is your plan, Father, if this is your plan, if this is the cup that you have for me, I'll do it. Right? And he was obedient in that. He was obedient whatever his Father had for him. It's the perfect model for us to live by, and I hope this morning that you will obey it. And so here's four uh, gospel responses. First, you might need to just give control to God. You might be clinging on to things, holding them so tight, building up stress and tension in your body, and you just need to let go. The second thing is, trust God's unrevealed plan. These are those things that haven't been revealed to you, but you trust God in it. It's like you don't know why you're sitting in the place you're sitting, but you're sitting there because you trust God. There might be many of you in here today that's in that situation. That's totally okay. Trust Him in that situation. And the second thing is, uh, be faithful with God's revealed plan. Those things that have been revealed. Have you taken your question to the Word and asked what the Word says about it? If not... That's what biblical counselors do. So you might be wondering, why do we have a biblical counseling uh, ministry here? Because Pastor Bill and those whom he has trained will give you biblical counsel that says it takes what you're struggling with to the Word and shows you what the Word says about it. It's amazing. Like That is what you ought to be doing every single day. Submit to and be faithful to God's revealed plan in your life. And then fourth, seek God's specific plan. So I'm not here to tell you this morning that you can't go pray about what God... 
I want you to do with a specific situation. What I am trying to tell you is, if you're going to be praying about what God has for you, make sure you're faithful to what God has already given you. All right? And then you will learn to delight in what God has for you. And when he tells you what he has for you, you'll continue to delight in it. It will be good for you. All right, I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to continue in worship this morning, uh, in response and worship. And if you want biblical counsel, I encourage you to reach out to us. You can, you can email us at counsel at discoverwbc.com. Pastor Bill and I have access to that email, um, and we want to help you. So let's pray. God, we love you and we trust you. We believe that you have good things for us. We know that your word is good for us, and so help us to follow after in obedience. I pray, Father, that you would lead us to do what you have for us, but also show us what you have for us in obedience. And Father, for the things you don't show us, we will trust you. For the things you do show us, we will trust you. So God, help our hearts to follow after you like children with a childlike faith. We love you, God, in your son's name. Amen. you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.